Hello, bug catchers. It's Tanner. Uh, Josh couldn't be. Josh wouldn't be here. I would say, actually, um, I think he's pretty embarrassed by the egregious mistake he made this week. Um, you will notice when the episode begins in earnest here in a moment that the audio quality is not what it usually is. We had some issues with our recording this week, and we had to kind of fall back on our Zoom backup record. So uh, the episode is still perfectly listenable. We hope you still enjoy it, and we'll be back to our normal selves again next week, uh, hopefully. Please enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to experience share it's a pokemon podcast starring me russia tan russia rem aka tanner green ring and i'm joined as always by my co-host fungosh <laughs> fungus fungus <laughs> that's gross i hate that you made me that but it's a good nickname you know and we are joined name. once again by our old friend hydragoni <laughs> that one's really beautiful thank you for having me again fellas A.K.A. Tony Smith, Anthony Smith, Anthony Bryan Smith. He spells the Bryant with an I. He made sure to clarify that, even though yep. we were both familiar. And well, it's the right way to to spell it. If you do it any other way, Clippy freaks the fuck out. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, Anthony, and welcome to the show, welcome Bug back, Catchers. Tony. We are playing through Pokemon Black and White, Jim by Jim, week by week. I am playing Pokemon Black. Josh is playing Pokemon White. Tony, what are you playing? I am playing Pokemon Black. Pokemon Black. Welcome to the club. Uh, we have made it to the end of the line. We've beaten oh, all eight yeah. gyms. We are taking on the Elite Four this week. We will be doing some battling at the end of the episode. Uh, but before we get into any of that, Tony, I would love to hear about your character, your journey, the ups, the downs, the heartaches, the triumphs. So, What's been going on with you? Uh, how do how do I begin this? Um, this Pokemon game is the first Pokemon game that came out when I was an adult with a job. At this phase in my life, I am 22, 23. I'm just starting in media. I believe I skipped this one. I didn't have the time for it. I have no strong relationship with these Pokemon at all. This game sucked for me largely oh, until yeah. this episode, which I'm, I'm so happy that this is the episode. My first time playing this game, this one was a slog. I do not like, like the, the towns and cities themselves seem to be designed by like this, like, lovely optimistic team and then the pokemon themselves seem to be designed by someone going through like a really messy divorce <laughs> i like i i i really i look at each one of them a complete stranger to me like even the ones like on my team i use them over and over again and just like i feel nothing for any yeah. of you it's it's yeah. really been bad for i would say for most of the pokemon in this game Archetype. there is gen one equivalent uh, or gen one or two equivalent like a little sadder like it's it, it's a sort yeah. of like return to oz take on gen one that i forget what the thing is called because nothing in this game sticks but that that bug-eyed creep that's everywhere like josh petrat yeah 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 and the thing that it evolves into but it is i was thinking uh Justin oh War <laughs> watchog watchog first of all what is that name second of so all so lazy 
disgusting. Just the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And you have to see it so much. Like yeah. this, like I if I had yeah. one word to describe this Pokemon, like it would be unsolicited. Like and, and that's largely all <laughs> of the Pokemon in this game. Like looking yeah, at a Raticate or a Furret, fine. I could deal with that. But looking at the Watchog all the time is so just foul. It like It feels like Josh and I have been doing this bit for the ads uh, for Anchor where we're pitching like new shows and we just go find like Pokemon knockoffs. And like Pokemon Black and White feels like a Pokemon knockoff. It feels like they, they saw Gen 1 and 2 Pokemon and they're like, okay, we can do that, you know? I, I was going to say this, like, I couldn't agree more. This game feels like a fanfic. Like, it, it it, there's there's something about it that feels so incomplete. It feels a little bit like they were in a room and they were like, how do we make this really, really edgy, but still, like, kindergarten safe? And that, <laughs> like, they never really quite square that tension. I do think that there's a way to do it. Like, so many of my favorite, like, cartoons do it they're creepy but they're also like age appropriate and like this game for me really misses the mark until one moment that we'll get to in this episode but if i were if i were in any other episode i'd be nothing but bad things to say this episode though i do have one like really really like fawning thing to say about this game i might be counter to both of you this week (laughs) because i thought this endgame, well, to your point, Tony, there's so many, like, rich, lush, beautiful, like, full-feeling set pieces and, like, environments. Oh, yeah. The environments are great. Great. But then they just, like, they hit you with these, like, 45-minute gets this end cutscenes, and you're just like, I just, I couldn't possibly care about this. There, You could not convince me to care about this. Did So this is the first time you've ever played this gen, Tony? I... I, I... When I was starting out at Newsweek, like some eight years ago, I got as far as the like Muna plot where like she gets taken away. And then like I just got sidetracked by like the insanity of media and like really didn't come back to I also skipped XY. Like, I came back for Sun Moon because it was like, oh, cool takes on, like, the older ones. But I I skipped the next two generations, so I was really, really looking forward to this playthrough to see what I missed. There are so many people that I know that, like, Black White is, like, their favorite, favorite, favorite. Yeah. How? How? I think (laughs) it's just, like, it's probably the first one they played, right? It's the one they, like, Mm -hmm. came up with. Yeah, it was, like, a second gen of Pokemon players. Um, Yeah. And I'm like, I guess you could see if that's if this is your first game, uh, Pokemon Black or White, it would be pretty difficult to go back and play something like Red or Blue or or Gold or Silver. I think it would just feel like archaic, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, so, that's the one thing that I think is is regrettable. We're like, I think that, you know, there's some things that are admirable about this gen, but I think the main issue would be if this you started with this, it would be so hard to go back. Mm-hmm. And missing out on the previous gens would is such a foundational, you know, mi- like you're missing out, which yeah. sucks. I have Bulbapedia open and they keep showing me video ads in the corner. And one of them was for, they apparently remade an episode of the uh, Pokemon anime with Oreos. What? What? <laughs> what? What? What does that mean? What is they that, took what Oreos. Okay. They yeah. took an episode, they condensed it down to monocolor, black and white. And then they took Oreos and they uh, turned them into a big grid of Oreos. And then they they put the cookie side up when it was black and the frosting side up when it was white. And they reanimated an entire episode of Pokemon. So if I'm are seeming they like a little distant. What are they? 
just don't it, get it. Are the Oreos Pokemon? No, the Oreos are are bits. They're pixels. Do you get it? They're pixels. I'm looking for the ad. I'm opening my Bulbapedia tabs. Don't bother. It's Gosh, very this is so straightforward. Like this concept is really straightforward. You know what a pixel is? I'm a visual learner. I need to see it. <laughs> it's unimportant. Let's talk about the the leg of the journey we were on this week. How about that? Okay. We I'll ended our, our journey last week in Opelucid City. Opelucid City. Opelucid um, City. Where we took on, well, we took on two different people. I took on Drayden, Dad, Dragon Iris, Daddy. And you took on Iris, Dragon we, Daughter. I forget where we landed. She's his daughter, maybe, we think. Yeah, I think so. I just call him Dragon Daddy because that's, you know. What he what he looks like to me. All the dragon type trainers are daddies. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. He is especially a daddy, though. We talked about that last week. Yeah, this game is characterized by like the hottest trainers of all time with the ugliest Pokemon of all time. <laughs> I do have a trainer that I'm going to be highlighting shortly that I was quite Getsis? quite aroused by. You were taken by Getsis. No, you really liked Getsis's whole look. You liked his big robe. <laughs> Hey, I do like the robe look, and I'm excited that we're approaching robe season again. Do you ever wear a robe out of the house, or is that forbidden? No, but if I had a driveway, I would definitely walk out and like get the newspaper. Oh yeah, I do that. What am I? I'm walking around the hallway in a robe. That sounds like I'm in an asylum or something. I wake up in the morning. I go downstairs. I let the dog out, and I go into the backyard with him. And I stand there on the deck and watch him poop while I drink a little coffee in my robe. That's very suburban. Delightful. Yeah. Yeah. So we started our journey in Opelucid City, uh, (laughs) and then we went northward towards Route 10. So I I will say it was a long leg because it's the Elite Four. It's the Victory Road. Like there was was a lot to do. We had to kind of grind it out. But in terms of story beats and, and set pieces and all that, it's a pretty brief leg of the journey so far there's really only like three things that happen it's it route 10 victory road and then the elite four and and everything that goes along with it but we did get one sweet little route here route 10 i loved this route you liked route 10 i thought it was a beautiful route i loved the soundtrack it's jaunty I like that it has a bunch of different types of grass there's bridges there's a bunch of little like singular path walkways and there's a lot of good looking mon and there's a lot of good looking trainers too good is generous uh did you cool. was there a mon in particular that you were drawn towards well there's there's two that in different ways two not a lot of that I don't really have a category for this so do you want me to cover the sweetie and then I can talk about the other one? I'm on the SS Josh right. now. I'll I'm riding SS Josh. I'm on your journey. Well, I got a few comments here. So let's talk about, let's get the, the you know, the easy stuff out of the way. Joshy's sweetie is Rufflet. Rufflet. Rufflet Which you is just find in the wild. A little cutie bird. Um, is this the one that turns a into baby like a eagle? Mean- a yeah, breviary. Like vulture. It turns into breviary. It's a it's like a golden eagle. <laughs> it's it's suppo- it's like literally the like American Pokemon or something in its uh trivia. Okay. I guess yeah. I see it. it. It was one of many confusing signifiers that were like, this is America, that you'd be like, oh, okay, I, I kind of see that. And then you get something else that would completely bewilder you as to like what 
part of the world inspired this region. It's okay. Like you're really grasping at straws for this one as a sweetie is my like deeply honest opinion. You don't think Rufflet is a sweetie. You look at that thing and you don't think it's, you want to like. I'm I, I'm challenged by it as a sweetie. I don't think it's what? necessarily not a sweetie. It's eyes sort of throw me off. I'm not totally sure. Like it's Sprite does a little like head bob. I think it's cute. Definitely. I'm not saying Braviary is. I think Braviary looks cool, but yeah. Rufflet. Do you like Volaby? Nice. No, of course not. The I counterpart. Yeah, its counterpart is Volaby and uh, Mandibuzz. Mandibuzz. Mandibuzz I don't like those at all. Looks they like made Mandibuzz too sexy. <laughs> they gave Mandibuzz like luscious eyelashes. It looks like a a vulture that you would see in Flintstones, and it's like sexualized for some reason. It's cool that Volaby's in a skull. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, this little run of Pokemon between six or six twenty six Buffalant clear through like six thirty are supposed to be like the American Pokemon. Is that what you're telling me? I yeah, I guess so. Supposedly, oh, they're all. Four. Can we talk about when I felt like the Pokemon fan club chairman and his Rapidash when I first spied the summer form of Sawsbuck? You got no, gotten a gander at this thing. No, let me take a look. <clears throat> the this... summer's form, especially, huh? Yeah, it's the robust leaves up top and it's stout, taut legs. Pretty good. Sazbuck is now that is a handsome Pokemon, and I don't think we can. There's no disputing that. I sort of like the winter form the best. Uh, It's very sassy. Yeah. I mean, they're all good. The little boots. Uh, Sazbuck is a genuinely unbelievable Pokemon. Both of its forms, I think, are just so gorgeous and i think that this game is at its best when it is beautiful and when it's flavorful and i think saucebuck represents the intersection of both of those things wow a rare compliment from tony smith about pokemon black and white and it comes in the form of this luscious beast it's good it's It's good just that's a well done mon uh can i talk about a pokemon i saw in this route okay Mm -hmm. it was my you make me borrow Pokemon of the week. And it was called Heatmore. Heatmore. Heatmore's here? Heatmore's uh-huh. here? Uh-huh. I think Heatmore is in Victory Road. Oh, I think I encountered it here. Nah, he- Heatmore's right out. So the space right outside Victory Road for Bulbapedia purposes is, and also in-game purposes is technically Victory Road. So you're right, oh, okay. it's outside. But yeah. Uh, the game that must have been right well let's talk about he more anyway it's ugly (laughs) hideous but also uh, from from a previous generation right no it's it's the like anteater sure fire fire breathing anteater it's obviously supposed to be an anteater it's It's, new it's model is ugly they didn't put any details on the face they just gave it like a little like worm head with an eye and then it's got like tubes coming out of its genitals yeah. yeah, going. You're to... really never a fan of that. You don't like that. No, I don't. Do you? Do you like that? No, I'm just calling it out as it's consistently said with like. I think if there's you know, any any business around the genitals timber. on any of these Pokemon, it's like it immediately puts up the like red flag for me. You know, that's fair. I get on my back foot the second I see stuff around the genitals on these Pokemon. I just think it's ugly. I think it's ugly. I think it's wearing like a little singlet too. It's one of those Pokemon where someone has put it in a singlet. Steve human. Yeah. So yeah, I just think this, I just think it's ugly. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't love heat more. Tony. 
it's gross. I'm not as offended <laughs> by its gyrating hips as as uh, as Tanner is, but I. Well, I don't like its little flame that comes out like a slithering tongue, tongue either. Yeah. No, gross. it's 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 gross all around. Like there there's no getting around that. I. I guess I just like this particular part of the the game, like the the Pokemon are by and large, with with the one exception, irredeemable. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 like how the Bible is always the New York Times bestseller, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, Where of course. Every Pokemon in this game is hideous so far, like most of them, uh, with the exception of Josh's sweeties, obviously. Uh, Although a couple of your sweeties have been well, you disputed a number of them. This I know because this is such an ugly gen. It, no offense to people who love this gen. Uh, I, I, I'm, there's something, ah, gosh, the, like the, if this is supposed to be like Northeastern America, New York City, there's something to be said about like beautiful cities, hideous Pokemon. It's like, oh yeah, there is a rot under, underneath it all. But like, as someone playing through it, this is unfun. I can see how getting pitched the concept of something like this would be really exciting though. <laughs> Yeah, and Do I, we know I, if it's the same team who worked on this game that worked on the previous games? Is it always the same team working on these games? Essentially. Like, sometimes the, like, creative director swaps, but, like, I mean, for example, Heatmore and Durant, like, the one thing I would say about both of them that's cool is that it is an anteater and an ant type, which is, like, you know, they have, like, this real-life relationship, but, for example, Ken Sujimori designed both of those, and he's been around since... Gen 1. Like, he did all the artwork for all of the original Pokemon. He's got it his... It feels like a different creative team at times. The um, story directors often change, which I think that's pretty clear. But, like, nice the artists and, is, like, the kind of... Um, a lot of the, the, the writers do stay the same. It's nice that Durant is steel and Heatmore is fire, because that's true. The f- yeah. fire anteater would eat the steel ant. Right, like I think that when they do that stuff, like the Saviper mm-hmm. and um, Zangoose oh, right, thing right, is right. is fun. Like I like when they do that, even if yeah. I don't always love the design. Yeah, uh, Tony, any anything interesting hop out of you on Route Ten? Just how sort of pat it was. I mean, I I think that I was attracted to the same thing that Josh was, which was like it's pretty. The music's fun, and I think that by and large, this game is at its best when it's really pretty and like and and really flexing on us with how pretty it is. But by and large, this this rap gave me no buzz, um, no buzz at all. Unfortunately, you didn't even get a buzz from. One other thing I want to introduce. Josh, Trainer, something in the chat. Trainer Banger is back. There's another trainer that I thought was a bit of a banger. It is the veteran type. Veteran type. Mm-hmm. Get, get a gander at these. Male and the female. They both have nice little outfits. The boy has a oh, dark, a black trench. Oh, coat. yeah. And like a little, little, uh, like... Irish guy hat. What do you call this? Uh, Irish guy hat. News, news technical term. Newsy cap. Yeah, just a, Irish. <laughs> yeah, that's the proper term. And then the lady's got like she's she's like saucily removing her sunglasses, and then she's got kind of a scarf, and then again like a black pea coat. And I I just Joshua, I want to draw your attention I, to the um, sun and moon. <laughs> veteran sprites okay, and, yeah. and i want to just kind of gauge your 
Get your um, reaction to them. See if you still feel great about the veterans. I would say they maybe took a turn. Particularly the, the male. Yeah. The male veteran. It's sun and moon. The male starts looking. It looks like Chad Kroger. Rough. <laughs> yeah. In like cargo shorts. For, for, for me. That's a pretty like big diversion. Like, it looks like a pickup Diversion from what, what they used to look like. Usually yeah. the, the sprites kind of like evolve, but that's like, here's a new type of fucking veteran. Yeah. Well, well speaking of new types of veterans, it's like you think about, I believe the first veteran ever introduced into this game was Lieutenant Surge in, in Gen 1. And it's like, right. are we ever going to see what the war was? Like, where did y'all serve? There, like, there are all of these, like, weird references to soldiers that we get peppered throughout the game. Weird references to warfare, but we don't ever get the actual war. I suppose Unova got pulled into the war at some point, right? Well, of course. At some point, they, they something happened. Surely it was a U- world war. Unova's soil, and they were compelled to, to join the, the Great War. Because, uh, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, was Lieutenant Surge described as an American? Yeah, the lightning American. Right. Wild. Uh, they're adult versions of ace trainers. So okay. they're veterans of just battling Pokemon, I guess, theoretically. But I like okay. the world war theory. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we have games where like only two regions are connected. So like not to be one of those people that's like the apocalypse happened in this video game because that's my least favorite like form of lore. But like we have these sort of isolationist nations separated by like not just like always time, like in this generation, we do have that huge time jump, but like space as well. And it would track if there was a war. And now as a result, everything's just sort of like weird and isolationist barring two regions. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. That's the main reason, too, why I think it's commonly cited as a theory for why there are no guns. Like they all got banned after. Maybe this they just weren't invented war. in this in this. Well, and that that comes into play later during one of Getsis's many, many extended <laughs> tribes. Customs. Yeah. Uh, he talks about like so. It turns out that Getsis is the mastermind behind all of this, and Whoa. he was well, the one who was trying to convince way ahead everyone to give up their Pokemon uh, so that they would be powerless to resist him when he decided to sort of sweep across the Unova region and, and take over with uh, with Team Plasma. But we'll we'll get to that. Moving on from Route Ten, <laughs> Route Ten takes us to the entrance of. Victory Road, which is a slightly different setup in in this game. It's this sort of like winding spiral staircase path uh, uh, through a mountain in in a mountain on the outside of a mountain. Yeah, it's you have to kind of find like your Mount way up. Coronet vibes. Yeah, exactly. I think it's I think it's the most interesting Victory Road we've encountered. I think so that's far. probably true. Mm-hmm. It, the it design is actually bold. interesting. It gives you some pause to like figure it out. The There's no boulder puzzles. There is like slip slide puzzles. You kind of have to like make sure you're sliding down the hills correctly to to find the route that you need to. There's some boulders to push too, but it's just to clear a path. You don't have to like right. It's you not know, a puzzle for them. Yeah, do a long thing while when you're attacked by wild Pokemon. Yeah, a- a- admittedly, victory roads tend to be my least favorite thing in Pokemon games. 
this one I thought was innovative. Like as as it, it's probably of all of the Pokemon games that I've played the Victory Roads of, this one's the best one. You're also outside a few times too, which breaks the monotony of the cave part of it. And the yeah, like right. falling down stuff is fun. Like it's, it, if Victory Road is your thing and there are people that like love Victory Road, like it's their favorite thing ever, could not be me. Like, and if you are someone that like really, really wants Victory Road to be new, like this satisfies both, it's good. I think I, I don't have a specific love for Victory Road, but it is always a place where I end up grinding a ton. It's like there's tons of, of high level Pokemon. There's tons of high level trainers. So it sort of becomes my end game grinding destination. Uh, and in every game, and I don't think this one's necessarily an exception, you get pretty sick of the few Pokemon that are in there. Mm -hmm. I think I felt like there was more Pokemon and more new Pokemon in this Victory Road than there were in past victory roads it has a better variety like it's not the other issue with so many of the victory roads is that you need to grind there and then they only have like rock and ground types and in this one you get like you get Bulldor, you get woobat you get mean foo you get durant and then there's you know excadrills and then you can go in the water for basculins and shit but like so it's multiple different types and like evs that you can collect as well so it's a lot better for training. And thank God it's got trainers in it too. Yeah, lots of trainers. Yeah, like the victory roads that don't have trainers and I forget which one that was most recently, but that sucks. sucks. I feel trainers. like a lot of them don't have trainers, but they and all then of course on their way. That's there is a, a big set piece at the end of it, which is also pretty unique for a, uh, a victory road. Victory road, you usually just kind of grind your way through and you pop out and you're at the indigo plateau or, or the um final guys the elite four yeah. um but this one i i don't think i was equipped at at the point in my playthrough to actually do this but you can take on this big beefy boy called terrakian oh terrakian yeah terrakian one of the swords of justice did you I, do this could you do i this? did i captured him yeah oh, okay this is one of those. Legendary... I like how he stomps his sprite. It's just this like is one big, of the legendary deer that we bull. were talking about last week with Cobalion, Verizian, Verizian, yeah, and uh, Keldeo. I don't think Keldeo necessarily counts. He seems to be discounted from a lot of these. That's like the I think one of the event ones. So yeah, yeah. He he looks super cool. Like yeah, really I like Terrakion's design a lot. Yeah, I think I think he's probably the coolest looking of all these these legendary musketeers is apparently what they're called. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Musketeers. Because the, the group is based on here, this is, here's a Joshi facty for you. Okay. Uh, this is music. from Bulbapedia. The group is based on the French novel The Three Musketeers by Alexandre Dumas. Cobalion re represents Athos, the oldest and de facto leader of the group. The Terrakian represents Porthos, the strongest, heaviest, and largest member of the group. Verizian represents Aramis, the most feminine, vain, and romantic member of the group. I don't know how you're supposed to get that out of this. You're just supposed to look at these guys and be like, there they are. The three musketeers, <laughs> yeah. three musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a cool inspiration to chase. I've got to say, the thing for me with Terrakian or Terrakian or however you say it, 
what a Buffalon shaming Pokemon. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like you could have done, like, there are so many, like, isolated moments of this game where it's like, it's really, truly inspired and getting, like, back to back this, like, grayer version of Taurus that you're like, you know, maybe he's a little queer, but, like, apart from that, whatever. And then, like, Terraki, it's like, oh, this game could be that. Like, you did have Pokemon like this in you. And it's, like, it's awesome, but it's a reminder that, like, it's not that awesome across the board, too. Yeah, this whole journey uh, is a grind, like, at, like, Victory Roads always are. But it it is nice to have, even if it is a little bit of a letdown, it is nice to have, like, a to-do at the end of Victory Road, mm-hmm. you know? I think, like, Victory yeah. Roads of the past, you just sit and you, like, grind through it, you know? And what you get at the end is, like, essentially like a checkpoint you know you get like yep. a pokemon center and a and a pokemon mart and then you get ready for the elite four um but this one was like you're you're building towards something you're climbing this mountain and at the top is this cool ass pokemon that you can catch if you're josh is moltres the last generation where like the victory road has a legendary in it i think so yeah i was just trying to figure that out that's the only wow. one i remember that's the only one i remember too that's really that's really, was I Moltres at the end of Victory Road? Towards it's in it, yeah. Victory Road. It's oh I don't yeah, know it's I don't I end, don't remember that. But yeah, I think so. You always just I, kill him. Oh yeah. I <laughs> well, Tanner, let me tell you something. I'm looking at the trivia page on Terrakeon, and I see that Terrakeon may be a combination of Terra, obviously Latin for Earth, or Terracotta, a clay-based material that is turned into ceramics. So. Couldn't you have made a case for Terrakeon? Oh, it's made out of ceramic. Inanimate object, and you could have had a legendary on your team? Man, I wish. That would have been nice, because my team sucks. I'm making the case for you, man. No, I don't think I can do it. Maybe I want you to have a legendary on that team, so maybe you could stand a chance. But Rock fighting is, wow. is kind of fun, though. No, yeah. no I'm right. not going not gonna to catch this guy. Okay. Uh, once, obviously, once you're done with Victory Road, it's now then on to the Elite Four. The Elite Four have a pretty cool setup in this gen. They do. They Josh, do who, well at this as well. You can you can go any direction. Who did you start well. with? Tell me who you started with. Uh, well, I'm a big after this break. I knew it was coming that time. We're at the Elite We're Four. Back. Yes. Gentlemen, uh, we've made it. The Elite Four here it really is... is the Elite Four this time. <laughs> yeah. 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 The The Pokemon League here is cool. It It's like a big like pedestal on the top of this mountain. And each of the four staircases coming off the pedestals can be accessed and unlocked uh, to, to go and take on a different member of the Elite Four in the order of your choosing. And it allows you, because of that, that you can go back into the central, like, plaza and save, which is nice. Although, I think I've had more challenging Elite Four, but we'll get to that. You didn't struggle with this Elite Four. No, I struggled with, I think, two of them specifically. But then the other two were like a joke. Okay. Which two? We're here. Let's talk about it. All right. Well, Chantal, who I started with, was problematic. Because I went, I just did clockwise, orderly. Sean. Sean. Yeah, it's like spelled like Sean, like S H A U N. 
from the spelling of her name down to how she's dressed, like <laughs> this is Kirsten Cinema. Like, <laughs> oh my I, god! I, it's, it's and just like they're weird in the same way yes. Kirsten Cinema would have ghost Pokemon. In the definitely, same way. definitely. Like God, and her like illustration is she's looking like aloof and reading a fucking book. That's exactly. She's dressed like a Gotham reader. Joke. She's just like Kristen Cinema. It's it's cinema. Like (laughs) literally, and just 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 like also like if if Congress had an elite four, cinema would be the the, like one of them and the ghost trader. And just like this year. Kristen Cinema is causing me the most trouble. Uh, AKA Chantal and the Elite Four caused me a lot of fucking trouble. Where did you get hung up? Well, just because she's ghost and I like she killed Jay Peterman, the BHM, like basically immediately because sure. I tried to use it because it has Shadow Ball that was super effective mm-hmm. against them too. But then, of course, Come for Gregis just drops its Shadow Ball and then one hit it and it's out. And then I just had to like. Jellicent was still pretty easy because electric, you know, I could do Thunderbolt. But um, Golurk killed Jerry, the Samurad. And then I didn't have an easy answer to Chandelure. And then I kind of just... It's good for me. I like to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I got like, eventually I killed it with Archeops because I had uh, Rock Slide. But yeah, um, Yeah. it wasn't, I mean... Uh, Kristen Cinema took out, I think, four of my Mon, which was pretty well, dicey for the opener. That was my opener, too. Um, what, what about I, you, too? I also struggled with my opener. My opener was Grimsley. Mm. I just like, I don't know what to do with dark type Pokemon, I guess. What is oh. good against dark type Pokemon? See, Grimsley was tough, too. It's fighting. fighting. And I, I don't have my any only. My only fighting move is revenge on Salmorot, which is not even very good. So, and he got he got fucking crushed by I don't know which one. Eventually, I am I am really bad at these games and at tight matchups, as you both know. But I still I feel like I'm starting to get my head around a lot of types. We dark still has been around since Gen two. I know, but I still don't understand what it's good against or what's good against it. So uh, I feel like it, it was. Grimsley was super effective against like half of my team. I think it was like it's good against Arbador. Ghost and Psychic, and only I think only Fighting is good against Dark. Dark I, is I, great. Dark is good. Dark's a bug good too. Fight. I believe. I believe Bug is also super. Effective oh, Bug. Against... Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No. Embor's Fighting move pool naturally, if you don't read it, is like kind of bullshit. Um, and the fighting TM that you get from that gym is deeply bullshit. So you're going into this battle kind of like shit out of luck if you don't, like if you haven't gone out of your way to get a fighting Pokemon. Fortunately, yep. my Embor was, was strong enough too. that like Flare Blitz was taking everything out. But Grimsley, I would say, was the one that gave me the like most the trouble. Yeah. He's got a look. Grimsley was my number two most troubling. Yeah, he's like a he's like Morrissey. Yeah, he's kind of got this like like goth vibe to him a little bit. A little it it's it's exactly that. It's if Count Olaf were in the Smiths, like it would be Grimsley. (laughs) Tony nailing it with these. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. He's got a cool scarf too. There was a time in college where I was convinced I was going to be like a scarf wearer. A scarf guy. 
you know, like oh, I'm just always. Oh, we all tried that. I think. I think it was like it was the it was the two thousands. You know, it was like we're all gonna wear scarves. Uh, It didn't it didn't stick. No one really liked it. I kept trying. I would wear them, and then I and it's like because I you know when I went to college was the first time I'd literally ever even been to the East Coast and. I was like, oh, it's the Northeast, so I'm going to get a pea coat, and then I'm going to sure. wear scarves all the time, and I'm going to be this fucking, like, bespoke in a intellectual homosexual, and I'm going to this liberal arts school and fucking whatever. And then I would just wear the stupid scarf, and then I'd end up getting, like, wasted, and then it would blow off in the wind. And sure. I, I just lost, like, seven scarves, and then I was like, all right. Scarves are going to work. It's, for my an, it's, it's an expensive lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. The the Banana Republic gap chokehold on all of us in the late aughts was really, really something. Also, uh, yeah. I will use this opportunity to say Josh and I technically met in college when he came to visit Wesleyan, but we neither of yeah. us remember meeting each other. But yeah. there, <laughs> there is a photo of us hanging out in the same room. So there you have it. The other two trainers in this elite four are a little easier to get through for at least me it was caitlin who's the flying type uh no she's not flying she's psychic psychic. Psychic. while we're on the subject it's so a it's so weird to get an acknowledgement of psychic type in this game after like virtually no psychic types right it's so neglected in this gen it's a really neglected which is also similar to uh gen one actually with Mm -hmm. this kind of yeah where like they have no weaknesses and they're like gods in a weird way but um but i've i've gotta say I love a good room in a video game, and this Elite Four gives us two great rooms. Chantal's, which, like, if that was the best one there was with its levitating, fiery little books, I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. But Caitlin's room with its, like, opulence and its, like, floating you up this golden thing, and then, like, a curtain draws, and there she is. Caitlin was tough for me to get through because I was screaming so much. Like it was, this was it for me. Like, holy shit. You're just shook. All of, all of these set pieces for these elite four are really like interesting. Like they, they they all have the same setup where it's like a little spire that you need to like travel up, Uh, but they all do it in different ways and they all look very unique. I agree with you, Tony, that Caitlin's like, it transported me to this like place where it was like, it's supposed to be sort of an old timey kind of bedroom with this weird starscape in the background uh, behind like a canopy bed. And it was like so comfortable and so sublime that it, it just made me want to like be there. It was like, I wish that were my bedroom. I wish my bedroom were a canopy bed on the top of a spire with like surrounded by like a planetarium style like starscape. I, I really couldn't agree more. And it's like, this for me, this Elite Four, even though two of them are like wild easy and two of them are a little bit more on the difficult side, this Elite yeah. Four, it feels like for me, they decided what this end game was going to be because this is like undeniably, even if this doesn't redeem the entire game for you, I feel like this is undeniably the best part of the the game in terms of like things to love and their density and the rate at which they come at you. And like, for me, Caitlin, the design on Caitlin's part of this up until something that we're inevitably going to get to is like the strongest part of this leap four for me. Like I was really wowed yeah. by what they did with this room. Yeah, I totally agree. Joshua, you didn't like it as much. 
No, I agree. No, you're a I, I just I wasn't sure if, if you're you more of a Marshall man. Say you feel you, right at home. You just feel at home. It feels cozy. Yeah, I like it. I, um, I liked all of them. I do think that Chantal's was my favorite, though. I just I like yeah, how they, like they did all of the book books, like library. library. Like I loved the the Necreen museum mm-hmm. for the same reason. I just think they did the the dark, like kind of dimly lit, uh, like library vibe really well. My my one thing with Chantal's is, and this is such a nitpick, I almost wish they'd combined what Chantal's is with the library gym earlier in the game and made like totally. a ghosty themed library gym with like a spooky little puzzle in it rather than like a More spooky robust. thing that you just sort of walk up and like a library gym where you like are looking at obvious books. Yeah, yeah. I think Caitlin's has the superior, like it's the only one where it actually kind of like uh, animates and it's interactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should probably describe Grimsley's too. We kind of skipped it. His is like a ballroom. Uh, oh, apparently yeah. Grimsley's. Yeah, it's fine. Grimsley's backstory is that his family was rich and then lost all of their money. And now he is a gambling addict trying to win his way back to, to being like a rich, fancy boy. Wow. They do not that is get into him. Lee. <laughs> yeah. That uh, is dark. And that's why he's dark type because he's mm-hmm. entered this uh, seedy underbelly to try to win back his riches. And then the last one, the last elite four is Marshall, the fighting type trainer. His is the the least interesting, and also he was the easiest to beat. He was a joke. Archie Ops one hit KO'd fucking all of them. Yeah, he, he is. In I mean, the fighting being, type Elite Four is always the biggest joke. Sorry, always. always. I mean, always the biggest joke, just because it's like nothing ever like resists psychic or flying. Um, yeah, but if there there is one thing that makes Marshall special, it's that he is dressed like ET had to blend in at Old Navy. There you go. Like it is, it is the <laughs> the worst outfit I've ever seen in a Pokemon game. I think. Yeah, he's wearing sort of like, it's like everything five is little big. toddlers all in a big martial arts outfit, and his pants are huge. He looks like he looks like me in in sixth grade with my like <laughs> skunk striped jinkos. It's it's very like as someone who grew up always changing sizes, like it's very much like my mom gambling on the fact that I would either grow into something or you could put a belt on it if I didn't. And just like <laughs> here you go. <laughs> um, he is um, wearing a pretty uh, conspicuous belt. It's kind of yeah. keeping the whole outfit together. Also, inexplicably, his hair matches his pants down to like the hex code. It's it's a real and I think nice it's his natural hair because his mess. eyebrows are that color too. So, mm-hmm. well, so he designed the pants around his hair color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. must have. He was a breeze, an absolute breeze. Throw breeze. sock, conquer Mayan Shao. Acrobatics, four times, four KOs. I just had Sigalif out there. Sigalif was just like unstoppable against this guy. But yeah, it, I, I agree. It, this was this was not the hardest Elite Four we've ever faced, especially because like we came into this week with a hard level cap. We we decided yeah. for Tony's sake that we would cap all of our Pokemon at fifty five. So it's not like we could even like power level to mm-hmm. to really OP against these guys. Well, and um, as we're about to discover, you can't just keep throwing yourself up against the Elite Four like you usually can. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It makes grinding, like, not ideal. Yeah. Uh, so then once the Elite Four are defeated, naturally you would go and face off against the region's champion, who we've met 
several times over the course of this game. His name is Alder. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a red hair and a ponytail. He leaps over cliffs. He leaps over cliffs. Uh, he's he. You go up to Alder's temple and Champions Temple. Who is there but N, the yeah. that rascal from the Team Plasma, who has just defeated Alder in battle and claimed the the, the title of champion for himself, and in yeah. doing so, took over all of the Unova region and raised his castle. <laughs> confoundingly, raised his castle from underground. Apparently, yeah. he's been building this castle underground underneath the Elite Four uh, Indigo Plateau. Or what do you, what the, do you call The Pokemon Indigo. League is unsuitable for his dragon. And so, I guess, secretly, Team Plasma is like built a castle that can rise out of the ground suddenly. And, and it does. Here it does. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's it's like it's it's definitely like a bigger thing than has happened in a Pokemon game previously well yeah but, and they do cut scene with like you know 3d where it actually rises up out of the ground it also kind of sucks because <laughs> it's, it suck? it's pretty bad looking i think it's inter- like okay the exterior sucks the interior i thought was pretty festive the interior I, is cool the exterior I, is pretty I, cool. I, I'm, I'm, no, it looks I'm like a the, shitty castle i i'm really of the exact same mind i mean down to like the elite four like the exterior of that building is like this hideous vague autumnal gold that only exists in like starbucks pitch decks but like the like and and sort of like the rising from the ground fits that same thing it's also really confusing because like where in the american northeast is this like desert that you keep insisting is like I don't, I, it's, I think yeah. everything in this game, the America of this game has been contracted because like at some point we were talking about being in Vegas and it's like, mm-hmm. obviously Vegas is nowhere near New York city, but yeah, it's confusing because it makes it seem like the whole region is like just the Northeast or like New York, <laughs> but then mm-hmm. you get this shit where it's like Nimbus is just obviously Las Vegas and then <laughs> ends castles, the breakers or something. But the, the, there's yeah. also a distinctly like North African thing going on in this game, and this is part of that. I, I mean, even with the name like Mombasa, but when you eventually yeah, and we had the African mask in the Nacreen Museum as well. Yeah, yeah and, and and like we we've got a mummy, po- or we've got a sarcophagus Pokemon uh, with an ability called Mummy. But like right. for 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 me, like the exteriors of like it's aesthetically like all over the place, but the interior of it, in terms of vibes, like this is like. This was this felt like a classic J horror to me in a way that I was like, bring it on. This is so bracing. This is the first time that I've been surprised after beating the Elite Four since Gen One, where it's like, hey, there's one more battle and it's with Gary. Surprise. Um, this was so cool to me. And I was so excited to like walk around in it and explore. And it delivered what I think this game delivers. You're specifically on- talking about Anne's Castle. Ends Castle. Yeah. I think like, Enns, yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying earlier, too. Like, I think Ends Castle makes it for why this is like interesting as a game, at least, even if it's, it's not the best. It's, um, I'd say that the, the thing about N that like really dulls the blade of N is that for whatever reason, the people who make this game are like the main character is always going to be a completely blank slate. So you have to like develop what would typically be a protagonist development with like the two annoying or the one annoying best friend. So like the weird, like 
theme that the end of the game tries to drive home of like ideals versus like dreams is oh, like right. yeah, yeah. It, it's just sort of like okay but in terms of like the vibe of it i think it's so cool yeah i i think i agree i think and your character is obviously a, a blank slate but n is also just such a like a weird character you can never quite tell what n's motivations are you know like is he a good guy is he a bad guy it constantly flips it even flips in this scene is he he's passion right and your dreams no no no. i thought he was truth and we're ideals yeah true yes 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 that's right he's he's truth i think he's he's truth truth. yes and and we're ideals no you might be tony but we're ideals in this yeah also this dichotomy was also just like i i I, there were so many times that i was like is the translation weird or something? Like, is this like maybe a bit grittier in Japanese? Because there's like a line in the scene where it's like, should we liberate Pokemon or should we just continue to live side by side? And it's like, <laughs> both of those sound chill. Um, although like, I guess liberating Pokemon would just be our world, right? Like, yeah. Well, and you it's also just... find out one of the like, you could talk to a bunch of the, there's like plasma grunts throughout this castle and like, one of them you talk to is like, oh, yeah, we've been building this thing in secret for years. And, you know, we just we enslaved a bunch of Pokemon to build it. It's like, oh, OK, that's not, well, that's, so it, this is not liberating. Precisely. Well, I guess that's why message. it's so ugly, too, by the way. Yeah. Pokemon yeah, built it. <laughs> the, the Fab Five who built it were all Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, Frank I, I I think that, like, and again, in keeping with, like, this game is ultimately always for, like, young people, the game will sort of never allow villains to have, like, a point or, like, be even a little, right? So, like, ultimately, Team Plasma is corrupt. But this idea that's, like, that Pokemon... But but that's that's all gets it, right? Like, N is still such a confusing character. And and even, like, at the end of this, like, you battle N, and he's hard for the first time in the game. And then when you beat him... There's like a once again 45 minute cutscene <laughs> with Getsis, where Getsis reveals that N is his son, or, or yeah. potentially reveals that N is his son. No, yeah. He doesn't c- come right out and say it, but it they have the same last name. It's like uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. What was it? Fjellstead. It was Harmonia. Yeah, it's Fjellstead. <laughs> Harmonia, right. And then I it turns got out too that N is looking for it that I missed the joke. Good joke, Tony. N is not a bad guy. N is just sort of like a passionate, like Pokemon lover. The real bad guy is Getsis, who's been sort of like manipulating everyone. You, N, and and everyone else. Uh, yeah, and N is like you know his son, who seemingly has always been looking for his approval. And like you could go into one of the rooms, and why I like the design too is like one of the rooms in the castle is like N's like childhood room and oh so it's just God. got a bunch of like toys and wait so like, he just lived underground underneath the elite four uh, well i think yeah he's like raised time. down there while yeah. this castle is being built and so it's like oh so n like probably doesn't believe in this whole thing and he's just trying to get daddy's approval and gets his daddy is just trying to is that, just using him that room is the most bone chilling room in any pokemon game yes. the i agree is, it is such good 
like bewildering, disorienting horror. The scale is all off. Like some things are human sized, some things like the it goes on forever. Some things are like giant sized. It's it's also I think that there's something inherently creepy about preserved children's rooms in houses in which like there is no children. It Definitely. reminds me very much of um of the original Clock Tower for Super Nintendo. That is like one of my favorite video games ever. Where you're going is that the one where the guy with the big scissors is constantly hunting sure you and is, trying sure to cut is. off your it, head? It's it's so very very good. And similarly to that, that is game, a, a wild game. That, that game is so wild and like one of my favorite things about it is that the rooms are randomized and it's different every time you play so there's no walkthrough for it it's it really really good game but like that room feels like ripped right from it and i my going into that room there was like such a sense of dread for me i was like i genuinely have no idea what this part of the game is about to be and i finally found myself for the first time in so many years not sure of what was about to happen next in a Pokemon game. And like, that is really something. It's, it's pretty rare for someone who's played as many Pokemon games as we have played at this point. I just wish, like, I wish we weren't limited by the technology, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, there's something so wildly unsatisfying about watching a static sprite say a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. in like yeah, text absolutely. pop-ups, you know, it's like, it's just, it's, it, you Pokemon Company, you have to recognize that this is the least ideal way to ever do a cutscene. I think that goes back to Tanner, your original criticism, I think in the first episode, about how it's it's between two worlds of like, you know, we're still figuring out 3D, but we're gonna keep some of the 2D stuff. And definitely that comes through in like, you know, in my game or in yours, it's Zekrom, but in my game it's Reshiram, uh, that's fully uh 3d on like both screens of the ds and it swoops down and it's like this giant like dragon i guess i still really don't think they're dragons but this giant fire dragon like comes swooping down to the castle and it fills up both screens and then you get the little cutscene there and then you zoom out of it and it goes back into like the overworld and then the dragon again is like you know two squares larger than Mm -hmm. n and you're like okay well like you know, yeah. you do the whole thing or like just don't even bother with it because it takes you out of it where you're like or just like cut to cut to pre-rendered cutscenes, you know, <laughs> like show me some anime boys, you know. Yeah, and then wanna... just go straight into the battle. It's like that you you do this phase of showing you the overworld again that just totally takes you out yeah. of it. Gosh, it, it just gets so convoluted. So you you eventually end up at the top of the castle in the throne room. N is there sitting on the throne obviously has has full command of Reshiram in my game, Zekrom in your guys' game, right? Mm-hmm. No, opposite. No, it's the opposite of oh. right. For for me, it's like the games are sort of marketed as like by the one where like you you're gonna catch that one. It's like what a sick and twisted fake out. Yeah. I I yeah, just that I, is I cannot tell these two apart. They're both just like generic Creatures. Well, they're they're two they sides of the like same soul or whatever, and like apparently, I read this. This obviously didn't happen in the battle, but like if one of them uses its signature move, so if Reshiram uses Fusion Flare, and then you happen to have uh, Zekrom after that use Fusion Bolt, I think, then it will double the power, which is cool. But like you know, you're never gonna figure that out. 
kind of organically. I certainly didn't. You're jumping ahead because at this point, and like calls Zekrom slash Reshram to his side. And then of course your Lightstone or Darkstone, whichever game yeah. you're playing, like bursts to life uh, and turns into the other one. And then you have to like battle it and catch it. I did this because it felt integral to the story. <laughs> yeah. Like in a way that like usually if something is not, does not fit my character and these are not inanimate objects, I would just mm-hmm. be like, I'm going to kill it. But this one was like, I don't, I feel like the game does not want me to kill this. Yeah, you made the right choice. Uh, so I, I just ended up catching it. And then, of course, it, it defaults to the first uh, party member in your party, no matter what. You can't move it. It's always the first party member if it's in your party. They're breaking all sorts of rules in this game. Uh, and then you take on N, who has the other one. You beat N. Getsis comes out. And he be- and that's when he like explicitly reveals that N is his son, because he starts calling N like this stupid wimp. His he is a wimp. boy and a big piece of shit. He doesn't say that. I guess he uh, doesn't say the last one. Uh, Although, and then you beat him. Yeah. And you're allowed to keep your Pokemon. Everyone is allowed to keep their Pokemon. Team Plasma gives up their mission. But Roll all of credits, the seven sages are allowed to just escape. Well, they're just guys, right? I mean, For now. Without, without the mission. Admins those are just dudes. criminal syndicate, but yeah. Uh, and then, and then credits roll and we're done with the game. Before Ooh. we battle, should yeah. we do a good use of scheming, bad use of scheming and rate Team Plasma versus our previous criminal syndicates? And what yeah. do we think about this scheme? Let's talk about all the previous criminal syndicates. So we obviously have Team Rocket in Gen 1. And Team Rocket carries over into Gen 2 as well. Mm-hmm. After that, we've got Ruby and Sapphire, and that's Aqua and Magma. Um, Magma. Magma. Gen 4 is... Team Galactic. Team Galactic, right. Team Rocket's whole thing was just stealing Pokemon. Yeah. From other and they people. just want good Pokemon, and then they're going to use them to commit crimes. That extremely straightforward. I love uh, how fucking straightforward that is. It's so straightforward and like a little weird too. They give us Mew and Mewtwo as part of their things. I think Team Rocket's the best there was, is, oh, is gonna be. They're easily the, I mean, that's who we're trying to see if anyone can unseat them. Like they're uh, genetically engineering powerful Pokemon, they're stealing, they're committing crimes. Giovanni sure. has oh, a the, great the armored Mewtwo is potentially unbeatable. For me, it's all of them writing in their diaries about like what they think about Mew and then like leaving those diaries all around Cinnabar Island. That is like, like, we're going to, I hope no one sees my diary. (laughs) This lab, let's burn this lab down, but let's make, let's not go back and make sure that all of our secret notes are still there. Uh, Aqua and Magma, their goal was, I think Magma's trying to cover the earth in ground to make Pangea. No, to make a more habitable environment for land water dwellers. Pokemon. And Aqua is the opposite. They're trying to cover the, the world in water to make a more habitable environment for water Pokemon. I think that's a pretty weak premise. Yeah, I think really the only credit you could give Team Magma, at least, is that they've got some sweet little outfits. But Sure, sure, sure. And the, they're the sexiest trainers. Yeah, you had a crush on the, the admins, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- that scheme's dumb. What's the point of that scheme? Galactic. I remember being into Galactic, although I can now now not remember what their whole thing was. It's that what's his face, the Nazi. Okay, the now that guy. you're describing them as, as Nazis, I feel like 
knife corner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he just does that one rally. He does a big speech. Yeah. He does a big fascist speech. He he's just a he's just a normal fascist, I guess. I feel like their thing was like, oh yeah, I can get behind that though. Do you remember what their thing was? Well, the thing was that he's bringing together Palkia, Dialga, and Giratina in order to somehow use other recreate powers, the world the just thread, for Pokemon. but recreate it in his well in his oh. image and we don't really know what his image is which is that's why it's potentially problematic they want to make a second universe just for them and pokemon that's pretty admirable it's like the opposite of thanos and i think this is the point i made at the time it's not about halving cyrus resource consumers it's about doubling the resources and it's like yeah of course that's the solution yeah, but I, I think it's got some fascist undertones that I really love. Okay, well, if that's what it takes. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one we have is Gen 5, which is Team Plasma. Such a confusing little outfit. They've got medieval knight outfits for no Into reason. That. Into that, though. They've got a very complex MLM sort of structure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they really do. It is definitely a pyramid scheme. Where some of them are seven sages, some of them are shadow triads, and their whole thing is liberating Pokemon. Uh, uh, genuinely, from an animal rights perspective, yeah, an admirable goal. Sure, but then we find out that it's secretly just mm-hmm. a front. That it's ultimately kind of we're gonna take all the Pokemon and release them so that we have the good Pokemon and none of you have anything, and then etc. Something dastardly, sort of like a weird take on the Team Rocket scheme, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that I find so fascinating about the whole like fake out of like this is what we believe, which is like is really admirable. Like so many of my notes are like they're right, they're right. Why are they right? I want to sort of join <laughs> them, but like the idea that it was specifically designed to be popular is like it it expands the world where it's like oh this is like a weird inflection point where something like this would be like a massively popular idea like what's happened since the last one and this one like it it has you asking those questions and those questions have you the player expand the world in a way that like the game sort of doesn't Right. The thing, too, actually, on that point that I liked about this game specifically and referencing these other syndicates as we are, like, there's a grunt in N's castle if you just talk to him randomly. And he's like, oh, yeah, Team Rocket and Team Galactic, like, they were too showy. Like, it was so obvious what they were doing the whole time. The reason we are going to work is because we've been building this castle it's bursting out of the ground and like surrounding the Pokemon League. I think like they, I think for that exact reason, I need to give them a demerit team plasma because it's a little too like it's a little too QAnon. You know, it's like we we have infiltrated like popular culture. We have turned ourselves into the good guys, like the underdogs, the like rebel fighters, oh, you know, and too it's much like, of a scheme. It's too, too much, much of a scheme. Like it's it's pulling in too many suckers, you know, and like all of a sudden, like. Team Plasma well, it's an MLM. hailed everywhere. Yeah, it's an MLM. Um, All right, what's the ranking we're looking at? I think Team Rocket, just in terms of like villainy. It's straightforwardness. It's just, it's so villainous. You can sort of see where they're coming from. If you're someone who is ethically bankrupt, you know, you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess they're just stealing Pokemon. If I were ethically bankrupt, I would probably steal Pokemon too. Sure, that's super straightforward. The outfit's yeah. banging, right? They look Theme great. Theme is banging too. Damn. I think Team Rocket's still. I think number it's number. One I I think I go 
easily Team Rocket's number one. I'm tempted to say, despite the fascism thing, Team Galactic's probably number two. I think then so Team Plasma and then Team Magma slash Team Aqua. I mean, it's no, just, I, I'm flipping the. I'm going, going the inverse that? on those bottom ones just because I think uh, Team Magma's hot. Oh, you're yeah. Their sexiness, sexual <laughs> attraction, yeah, elevates them for me. Sure, Tony. Uh, I'm a rocket firster for sure. I think the others are about equal, with a case to be made for plasma in the last place, just because I think this is the only time where they don't like they're not drinking their own snake oil, and for me that makes them less compelling. We're going over. I think we all agree that Team Mer is still number one in our books. Yes. We have to do level check and then we have to <laughs> battle. All right. And let's talk about our teams. Let's talk about their levels. Joshua, I'd like to start with you and then I'd like to do me. And then I would like to hear about Tony's character and naming scheme it's jerry samurai level 55 it's elaine oh we should we should say we put a level 55 cap on yeah this. they're all level 55 so it's just elaine lilligant it's uncle leo crocodile it's kramer electric it's george archieops and it's Jay Peterman, BEM. Can I say, just from your naming scheme, the ones that I think you never expected to end up in the final six were Uncle Leo, the crocodile, and Jay Peterman, the BEM? Uh, it is, it's only Uncle Leo. Jay Peterman is definitely one of my favorite characters. Okay. Uncle Leo is like mid-tier. Um, I would have preferred that it were Newman. I'm fine with Uncle Leo. Yeah. I'm not upset. Uh, Mr. Keepsies is a hoarder. He hoards found objects that he finds, uh, all inanimate object Pokemon. Nazca lines, Sigalyph, level 55. Gears, Clinklang, level 55. Garbage, Garbodor, level 55. Ice Cream, Vanalux, level 55. Candle, Chandelure, level 55. And a newcomer to the team, welcome to the God, team. Again. Chess Piece, Bisharp, level 55. Okay, so that is troubling that was a good choice i'm sorry Had you, you do something. swapped out your sixth one like every episode in a row every, essentially yeah. <laughs> i keep waiting six. for i keep waiting for that like clincher to like come and help the team the sharp is a problem for me because as i've said i have a fighting issue that that slot was previously filled by the likes of gigalith and golurk uh musharma like that's that six slot has bopped around quite a bit over the, the game, but I'm pretty satisfied with chess piece, the Bisharp. All right, Tony, here we All go. Right. Yeah. Tell us about your guy. What have you got? I, it's genuinely really like concept. I personally don't have a character, but I do have a naming convention. And my naming convention is what, what? I think the characters in Marvel's movie The Eternals are named um based on you, i assume you're not deeply familiar with jack kirby's eternals I, comics i know so many like deep cut marvel things eternals is just like a complete blind spot for me and after seeing some of these names like like kingo i'm just like wow this is really gonna demand us to like suspend our <laughs> our disbelief from the rafters because like even in yeah. fantasy well, and can I, you tell me 
everything I've seen on Twitter has indicated to me that like nobody knows anything about Eternals. Yeah. Like, and it seems like they literally just made it up right now. And Ooh. in that spirit, all of these six names are canonically um, Eternals characters. So just Great. based on, you know, the vibes I'm getting, these names will appear in the movie uh, Eternals. Crembolino, who is an Embor. Adavance, who is a Musharna. Um, Queenstop, who is a Vanillux. Bill Bill. Did you say an Adavans? We're going to need you to provide the spelling. Did you say Adavans? Like Adavan, the, the uh, mood yeah, altering well, drug? Well, no, Adavan, well, like Adavans, the character in Eternals. It has nothing to do with Adavan, the mood altering drug. It's, it's Adavans. Okay. You, you've heard of Kingo. Now meet his wife, Queen Stop, uh, the, uh, the Vanillux. And that's uh, real? That's like not a joke? Stop. None of these none of this is real, John. See, that's... <laughs> John still hasn't figured out the premise. These... It all... I don't know what the real names are because yeah. all the memes are like people editing the little like screen grab and yeah. then it just says something Dreeg and I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, it all sounds like a joke to me. I was, I was I was shocked that I was shocked they got Meryl Streep to play Crumbolino. Um, so so you know and like Kingo we, we all, Queen Stop. Mm. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Queen Stop was a van, vanilla. Vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> we we all we we know and love this famous Marvel character. Uh, his name's Bill Bill. Uh, that's almost a, a regular name, and uh, it's a it's Excadrill. Oh. Shit. You the Mayor Edgebutt is a ferrothorn um and uh a chandelier named uh named josh and that's it oh, i'll and, take that uh, w- what was the inspiration for that one being named josh the eternals <laughs> josh pay attention Jesus. Um, well yeah that and also like i just um, think that one's interesting to me yeah just like well, it's a pretty you common know, name uh, if I had to give two words two to describe, two comments, uh, I would say, yeah, yeah. If I had to give two words to describe Josh, I'd say I'm hot and dead. So, um, Chandelure seemed appropriate. Respecte, Josh. Over the course of my friendship with Josh, uh, he has encountered several other Joshes and always maneuvers to make himself either cool Josh, which always feels like a stretch, or gay Josh, and that requires the other Josh. Not well, so and then when the other Josh is gay and cool, no, which we've encountered, before, one was not cool, it throws off your just whole gay. system. No, <laughs> just gay, and then I'm the cool one by default. Yeah, it doesn't but also he, gay. He was pretty cool. I'm also going to say now that I'm extremely concerned about my footing in these battles because I can't get the flamethrower TM until after the Elite Four and not having a fire Pokemon is looking pretty problematic for me at this point. Uh, first uh, off is Josh V. Tanner to determine the winner of Experience Share Pokemon Podcast, and then we'll yeah. move on to see whom of us will will take on Tony to Oops. for the, the, the Grand Championship. Uh, Josh, okay. let's find one another on Pokemon Showdown and battle. Bugcatchers, right. we will see you in just a moment and let you know the winner, whomst won that battle. Tony, you're looking very ominous now. You're backlit. You're just sort of a shadowy figure. Very spooky. 
It is spooky. And I'm I am stalling concerned about because... my battle with Tony next. Yeah, I'm stalling because I lost. Obviously, it was actually a pretty close fight, wasn't it, Josh? You had some good turns. Yeah, I, um, I, in fact, halfway through it, I gave myself a 60% chance of losing. Yeah, it, it was it was seeming kind of likely that I might be able to pull it off, except for your crocodile. I got my shit together where like we were basically going one for one. I opened with Lil again and Tanner opened with Garbador and they each killed each other. And Garbador got out its fucking toxic spikes, which was ruining everyone else's life. And uh, like Chandelure ended up killing Samurai Samurai against all odds. Well, killed Lilligant first and then killed Samurai as well. But then I got the electric out, killed Chandelure. Right. And then also happened to kill. Killed everyone. It wasn't until until Crocodile came out that you really picked up steam because I just I have no counter against uh, a ground dark. Yeah, I made a mistake with Bisharp. uh, Initially, I brought out electric against that and you just slaughtered it and then i brought out archie ops and then i used like rock slide and then i was like wait what the fuck and then i used u-turn got out brought out crocodile and then crocodile swept the remaining three yeah with earth earthquake just so crashes. fast all your pokemon are so speedy i tried to drop a scary face on you to get crocodile out there but you you're just so fast that you um killed me before i could scary face you so you've defeated me you are once again the champion of experience share and now, Joshua, the mantle is on your shoulders, and you must defend our crown against Anthony Smith coming in hot with his Eternals, who I don't know if you guys heard this in the commercial that they play over and over again during NBA games. They saved humanity from the deviants 7,000 years ago. They so, sure did. Let's Tony, heat it up. Parting words. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious talking? as to how this team is going to go. That's you good. have some so of the worst trash steel. talking I've ever heard in my life, yeah. Tony. Oh, that, that's no. not threatening at all. Oh, was I supposed to trash talk? Uh, very well. You're so fucking dead, you stupid fucking piece of shit. You awful sack of human garbage. You fucking telomere. You're going down in this fight, which is what you're used to. I'm going to put the sensor beep effect <laughs> over that whole thing. I don't think we could say that it's a family show. Yeah, a lot of that is. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Joshua v. Tony Smith. Here we go. What a match, gentlemen. Seemed a little touch and go there for a while for Tony, but eventually, Tony, you pulled it out. I I had a, a groovy little strategy. I didn't realize Josh had no fire, but Fortress to bait fire, and then my chandelure has the... Uh, the the move uh flash fire where if it switches into fire it gets powered up so that was the goal there but then it didn't work and my entire strategy fell apart yeah you you got down to two pokemon you ended up winning on a, a technicality something called the sleep mod clause uh which yeah, is we're that, playing sleep, sleep clause mod which is that two pokemon in a row cannot be put to sleep is that correct Mm-hmm. It would I was one. left with Elaine was my last defender, and I was going You're up against Ex- Excadrill and then Embor. Right. So I guess I could have just killed the Escadrill. If I had known about this clause, I probably would have just pedal danced on Escadrill and then hoped mm-hmm. that because it did have Quiver Dance, maybe I could have somehow 
killed him, uh, taken enough hits out of Ebor that like on the next turn I could have killed it. But that's like pretty chess move. I have no idea. And you know, I, I I was really very, very ready to lose that once my like ace in the hole fell apart. Uh Josh, that was a really, really good battle. Some really fun brinksmanship there. That's what Pokemaning should feel like. Yeah, I think that was our best one. Honestly, I felt good about our battle too, Josh. I feel like this is the closest our battles have have been in the yeah. last five gens. So against Those all odds, ones. because I, my team is just a big heap of trash, literally, that I found on the street. So uh, congratulations to Anthony Smith for being the champion of Pokemon this week. Uh, obviously, you get all the rights and... Uh, any kind of revenue this heap of trash is your heap of trash now Tony. our podcast yeah well may, may i use my crown to plug a cute little thing i did well oh, of please. course we were about to just let you do that but you can absorb this into your empire which is oh my gosh well it, it's so funny because this podcast is really charted by like weird journey as like a game developer but um I, I did a really, really cool project with Vice. It's this creepy little point-and-click mystery indie, like, ooky-spooky, sort of a horror-type game called Party is Such Sweet Sorrow. You can play it for free at partyissuchsweetsorrow.vice.com. I think it's really cool. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, unlike things where you do it and you're like, I can never look at this again. I find myself coming back to this and be like, yeah, I like, I popped off of this one. So um, I hope that you enjoy playing it as much as I enjoy making it. Tony is biased, obviously, but I have also played it and I will vouch for him and it ends in a really good, satisfying (laughs) joke. (laughs) It has a great soundtrack, actually, I will say. Who did this? Uh, who did the music for it, Tony? Oh my God! This incredible artist called Public Domain. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's kind yeah. of like lo-fi jazz. I'll say that like the 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 choice in Public Domain like really and truly popped off. There were people that I know that sent me like screenshots of them shazamming the music and being like, "Is this anything?" And I was like, "I really wish it was." Like, I really wish that we'd been thoughtful <laughs> enough to like leave an Easter egg there, but like we were o- over budget, so there could be no Easter eggs. Um, or if you're not playing this game yet, like there are Easter eggs, maybe go you know go find them. <laughs> Go try it. Yeah, definitely go. Play There's it. plenty of room in the budget for Easter eggs. So go find them all. Uh, please do enjoy that. Party uh, is such sweet sorrow. Dot, dot vice.com. Vice. Yep. Party, not parting is such sweet sorrow. That vice.com. The wing. And when I tell you, we thought of that title very, very early on in the process. It got a good chuckle in the room and then we were locked into it. So it's, it's, it's a joke that, you know, has worn out its welcome in my brain, but I'm hoping that you are as charmed by it as I was uh, many, many months ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this has been Experience Share. It's a Pokemon podcast starring me, Reshitan, aka Tanner Greenring. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Foongosh, aka Joshua Fjellstead, and Hydragoni, aka Tony Smith. Thank you both for joining me, Bugcatchers. Thank you for tuning in. Please do rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. We say that every week, but we have just charted for the first time we are Whoa. number 199 in podcasts that's it's, right it's because of all of you we are just behind a podcast that's about a one piece rpg one piece being the uh pirate themed anime 
Uh, so we've really got to beat those scrubs. So please do keep rating and reviewing our show so that we can defeat that one piece RPG podcast. Uh, I'm sure they're incredibly nice people recording that podcast, but we do want to conquer them and defeat them. Uh, please do follow us on social media at exp share pod on Twitter and Instagram. We are putting up lots of fun stuff every week and check out Did you say the subreddit our subreddit reddit.com slash r slash bug catchers josh is in there doing reddit stuff like i don't know i try uh, i'm not that good at it being a MGTOW and what trying like unscheduled drugs i'm just trying to think of all the stuff reddit does mostly outsource it to our friend mike levine mike. fellow wesleyan grad oh, mike, <laughs> Le- mike levine is yeah. just one of the loveliest people in the world Experimental drug taker and MGTOW, Mike <laughs> Levine, uh, I assume, because he's on Reddit. Yeah, go go follow us on Reddit. It's it's a it's a blast. Mike's always in there, like doing a lot of fun stuff and engaging with the community in a fun way. Joshua? Yeah. Is there anywhere people can buy merch? Yeah, it's at experienceshareMerch.com. EXPshareMerch.com. That's yeah. experience share. It's a Pokemon podcast. Tony, Bug Catchers, Joshua, thank you so much for joining this evening. Good. Bye. Smell you later. Bye, cuties.